I don't know if anybody listens to our our podcast on the church website, but I think lately there's been a lot of static, and so Jim has graciously got uh, a new mic for our recorder, so hopefully uh, if you are listening online any or uh, on our website, you won't hear last week because she wasn't able to download it. It was just too staticky, she said. Well, she thought it was because they were too close together. So he didn't think that was it. So. Alright, so uh, what did I say? First Corinthians, I think it's chapter 2. I didn't look it up beforehand, but I just thought this was... Yeah, we know her. All right, well, uh, Cassie, since you're joining us, we're going to let you read first. Can you do that? First, uh, First Corinthians, one twenty-six. That's our custom. We just kind of go around the room. First Corinthians. One twenty six. For ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, but not but not many noble are called. Yep, that was it. and we know that most of us in here are are lay people. We're kind of blue collar workers, maybe more common people. And so, uh, you know, we know that to be true in society. There, there's not a lot of stately, rich, uh, you know, born again believers, are there? There's not a lot. And so I was just thinking of that with Job. Uh, I think it was back in the 70s. There was a Tylenol scare. You remember people took off the Tylenol bottle and put in something else. And uh, You know, even my company, we, we made Sudafed. And you know, you can't buy that anymore. There, there was something with our labeling that was off. And... Uh, you still buy Sudafed? Yeah, it's not over the counter. You have to ask for it. Okay, or maybe we had to recall it or something. There was a labeling issue that even our company had. And uh, and then even didn't somebody, uh, they call it adulterate, like fruit. They were injecting something in fruit or lemons. And, and that's when this preacher came out with a saying, you know, what do you get when you squeeze a lemon? And you you would think lemonade, but his response was, you get whatever's on the inside. And uh, that that's kind of what we see with Job is Job is being squeezed. The Bible says he was the greatest of the men of the East, and he was this great man. And and so what what. Uh, 
Cassie read for us that there's not many mighty, not many noble that are that are called that are truly born again, and so it's rare. But so God picked this this noble person. This truly, he was a king. There's a mention of his crown a few times, and so you can imagine. Uh, <clears throat> I mean, I think some of our presidents have truly been born again, but there's just not many of that stature, of that caliber of of men or women in high positions that are truly uh, godly people. But Job was one such, and uh, <clears throat> I was just reminded even of the there's a song, uh, the heart of worship, and we've sang it here before, I think, and. And it, it goes like, you know, when the music fades and all is stripped away, you know, it, it's, it's getting back to the heart of worship. You know, who you are. And I was just thinking this Christmas season and the busyness of, of life and work and, you know, trying to remember to do this and that and the other. Uh, you know, if everything's stripped away, what is our relationship with the Lord? And and that that is what we see with Job. It, you know, his job's gone, his source of income. He's probably not sleeping good. He's in pain. He's suffering. And so, uh, chapters uh, twelve, thirteen, and fourteen are Job's response to his counselors. And uh, anyway, he really says some amazing things here. And it, truly, everything has been stripped away. And you know, a, a lot of what's in our life is filler, isn't it? And sometimes I think about that. Even you know, sometimes what I do is, is it, does it mean anything? Is it worth it? Uh, does anybody care? And and you know, everything's going to burn. <laughs> you know, everything's uh, you know, things are very temporal and. So anyway, it's just good to maybe reflect. and So let, let's look at uh, our handout. I gave you a quote at the top, and I, I feel like I should know this guy. Does anybody know this guy, Yancey? I put a quote from him at the top. And I, each week I put uh, Job 13, 15, and we're in Job 13 today, so we're going to see this verse. But I gave you a quote here. Uh, when suffering happens, it forces us to confront life in a different way than we normally do. And Philip Yancey, isn't he like a commentator or a writer? Or who? He's an old commentator. He's an older commentator. Yeah, I was thinking he had some commentaries on the Bible. So, uh, anyway, I thought that was a pretty good quote. Uh, Angie found that for me. If you, if you find any good quotes on suffering, let me know. I attempt to uh, put one each week with this verse. But uh, Emma, why don't you read verse one and two for us, if you would, of Job thirteen? What you know, the same that I know also. I am not unto you. Look back over chapter 12 and verse 3. It says uh, something similar. He says, But I have understanding as well as you. He said, I am not inferior to you. Yea, who knoweth not such things as these? So Job is uh, commenting to his counselors that he is not inferior to them and so they're trying to instruct him and guide him of why everything has happened to him the way it has and and then uh, 
in verse uh, 3 and 4 if uh, Pam would you read those surely I would speak to the almighty and I desire to reason with God but ye are foreigners of lies ye are all traditions of no value yeah, so Job's saying that uh, he, he would like to speak with God and reason with Him. And that, that uh, in my notes, I put that to uh, what we should all want to do. We should, it's good to talk to friends, but uh, we, we need to hear from God and uh, you know, His wisdom. And then... Uh, the verse 4 there, he says that they're forgers of lies and they have said some things uh, about him and to him that were not true. But he uses this word physician and I, I wanted to show you, let's, let's go back to Genesis, Genesis 20 because this word is, the, the Hebrew word for physician is translated another way most of the time. And it's in Genesis 20. I think 17 is the first mention. I believe it's the first mention. And Belinda, would you read that for us? Uh, 2017. So Abraham prayed unto God, and God healed Abimelech and his wife, and his maid servant, and their children. And so the the Hebrew word for uh, physician is healed in this, and so that that doesn't really surprise us. But that is God is the great physician, isn't He? He He made us and He formed us, and so He can heal us. And so Job is telling his friends that they are you know physicians of no value, and this was good for me to reflect on is that. You know, ultimately, I can't fix someone, and that's that's frustrating to us, isn't it? But God has to fix people. God has to help people, and we can kind of point them to Him, and that is our desire is to point people to the Lord, because He is the great physician. So that was my comment in our on your hand I just the ministers and counselors we cannot fix people's problems we can only uh, point them to the great physician and uh, I put on there that people typically run to three false counselors today sometimes they run to education sometimes to religion sometimes to science <clears throat> and so those are uh, things that people look to and and so we have to be very careful of those things that we're we don't get uh, you know too educated and uh, you know religion in and of itself uh, should point us you know it's not about just being religious and then even science uh, I, I work with it's amazing to me one of our departments will not hire you unless you have a bachelor's degree and uh, most of the people there 
have masters and I, I bet a dozen of them have doctors and so I work with some very smart people and used to every Friday they would uh, they would do a scientific forum so you're supposed to eat lunch and put on your headphones and watch a team's meeting and they present some scientific forum and I watched a couple of them and it's like man they're putting up all these charts and graphs and talking about DNA and gene therapy and it's like you know who is this person I work with it's like they're oh yeah and so they did that every Friday and people from our group were the presenters and I'm like wow and so, uh, yeah. Because you know that part about you know fixing people, but too, don't they need to want to be fixed? Because if you try fixing somebody that don't want any, sometimes you're like walking into a brick wall. Yeah. Yeah. Like you said you can point them in the right direction, or hopefully the right direction. That's a good point, but Rosie. Sometimes they don't. They're not ready to. Yeah, and we've all been there. Yeah. We have all been there. You can talk at somebody, mm-hmm. but until they're ready to listen. Yeah. Listen. Yeah, that's what Proverbs talks about, a word fitly spoken in due season, you know. So it it is. Your ears have to be open. Your heart has to be receptive. and So we can plant seeds and water, but, but God has to give the increase. So, no, that's, that's true. That's one thing I was... Uh, I just finished lesson seven with a guy I was writing to in prison, and he gives an example, something like in this le- it was about evangelism, and three there's three three things that a Christian's like, and one was an ambassador, one was a farmer, I forget what the other one was, maybe a builder, that the Bible talks about, and uh, anyway, it was just good for me to reflect on even uh, who, who we're supposed to be. Uh, and, and that kind of leads us to the next thing here. Uh, Pat, why don't you, we're here in, back in Genesis, or I'm sorry, back in Job 13. Would, would you read 6 through 8 for us? Or 5, five through 8 maybe? Uh, it says, Oh God, you can altogether hold your peace, and it should be your wisdom. Hear now my reason. Will you speak wickedly for God and talk deceitfully for Him? Will you accept His person? Will you contend for God? Okay. Hey, Rosie, I didn't give you a handout, did I? No. Chuck's got one. Hey, Chuck, can you give her a handout? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bible verse I used to use a couple of years a decade ago is coming back to me now. And my ways please the Lord, even my enemies will be at peace. Yeah, that's a good one. And so let's hold your peace and stay calm. Glorify the Lord. Don't blow weapons. Don't react with your anger with more anger. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah, you you picked up on that good, uh, Belinda. And uh, so, it, really, in verse five, that's what he's saying that they should hold their peace, uh, and it should be your wisdom. So, uh, the, the verse I gave you from Proverbs is like, even a fool when he holds his peace, he's counted wise, because sometimes the more we talk, we kind of dig ourselves in a word hole and. Uh, sometimes less is more 
And uh, verses 6 through 8 that Pat read there, that in a way, we are to be God's spokesperson, but ultimately we need to, to let Him speak. And that's what it says in verse 7. You know, will ye speak wickedly for God and talk deceitfully for Him? Uh, will ye accept His person? Will ye contend for God? And so we uh, are to represent the Lord. And so what I gave you there was your blank was just the word ambassador. I probably misspelled that, didn't I? Ambassadors. That's an A. And so, uh, my definition that I always memorized, I don't know where I got this, just the representative of a sovereign in the state of another. So we, we can think of that as, as we send diplomats. You know, we, we have embassies in many foreign countries, and so we have diplomats there, and they are representatives of United States, but they're actually in the state of another. We, we may have, you know, an ambassador in France, I'm guessing. And... Uh, so they, they represent us there, and so we, we are to be Christ ambassador. We, it says in His stead. So we are we are here in His because Christ is not physically here right now, and so we we are His ambassadors, and we are to represent Him. And sometimes it means we speak. Sometimes it means we just uh, work and be silent. And so uh, anyway, we we are to minister for Him and to Him. And then it says in verses 9 through 12, uh, Jim, we're, we're back to you, I think. Would you read 9 through 12? Sure. Is it good that he should search you out? Or as one man mocketh another, do ye so mock him? He will surely reprove you if he do secretly accept persons. Shall not his excellency make you afraid and his dread fall upon you? Your remembrances are like unto ashes, your bodies to bodies of clay. And so he, he kind of accuses them of four things here, of, of mocking God. Uh, that, that's what it said in verse 9, uh, As one man mocketh another, do ye so mock him? And he accused them of, of accepting persons, and he accused them of not fearing God and also of having mortal bodies. And my teaching point here is just that ambassadors cannot be deceitful or liars or respecter of persons. And I thought we would at least look at that first one there. I kind of gave you my study on being a respecter of persons. And I think we all maybe do this either consciously or subconsciously. We might you know, shake hands with the nice-looking, well-dressed person that comes into the room, but we may look down upon people that are not as nice-looking or not as well-dressed or not like us or, you know, we, we all do these sort of things. And and uh, honestly, I, I feel like 
I do better this just speaking for me I can kind of the guy that is beside the road or you know the handicapped person I, I feel like I can connect with them better than I can the guy that comes in with a suit and tie and and that that's just me and so that that's actually wrong of me not to try to reach out to that person uh, equally you know you know what I'm saying in a way that's a respecter person so uh, that first verse acts 1034 uh, Peter makes a statement about God. Acts 10.34 says, Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. And that's when he it dawns on him that, that the Lord is coming to the Gentiles. He's not just the God of the Jews. He is the God of all men. And so that, that's, a, that's quite a statement. So all those verses I gave you there have to do with... Uh, not being a respecter of persons. And one thing I found kind of odd, there is a verse in there that says that God had respect to Israel or God had respect uh, to their prayer or something like that. And so I guess what I glean from that is in a way he does prefer those that are obedient to him or his children, I guess. So, I mean, we're. You were taught as children to respect your elders and things like that, so it's not a bad thing to respect, but maybe don't differentiate between, you know, you're better than you, this person. Yeah. You know, their, still respect. their value yeah. should be the same. Right. That's Especially a good. To God, I mean, it's, yeah. He doesn't look at somebody and think they're better than somebody. God looks at your heart, he doesn't look at your outward appearance. Very Right, right. No, that that's all. It's all good. Because when people look down upon each other, that hurts somebody really bad. Uh-huh. I, I grew up in a very poor neighborhood, uh-huh. and I remember people used to make fun of our house and stuff. Uh-huh. Even though my mom was a very great wor- worker, but it can be very nasty and uh-huh. very hurtful. Uh-huh. And it does make, and that makes that person's self-esteem. Yeah. And I know the Lord does not. Look on that. Yeah, that. Nobody likes to be compared to somebody else because no. you know, just because they don't have as much money or yeah. nice car or something uh-huh. that does not make you God love you less. That's good. Humans are just cruel. Yes, people are just cruel to each other. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, adults can be the same, but yeah, yeah. kids, yeah, in school, oh, yeah. Mm. they learn it. Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, that. That uh, that was kind of the first section that I I outlined there is that was Job's uh, you know prominent position. Now now look at his prominent disposition in in verses thirteen and fourteen. Uh, Sherry, do you want to read those back? In- sure. Hold your peace. Let me alone, that I may speak, and let come on me what will. Wherefore do I take my flesh and my teeth? put my life in my hand. Uh, yeah, so he, he's saying, you know, I've got more to say. You guys need to hold your peace and uh, just let, let me alone. He said, my, my life's in my hands. And my flesh is in my teeth. We don't really talk quite like that, but we, we do say, you know, 
like if if she's driving the car, my life's in her hands. <laughs> you know that that type of thing, <laughs> right? Yeah. So, so we might say that. Be careful, our lives are in your hand. But so we do use that terminology. Especially when you see me driving down the road. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wasn't going to comment on your driving, yeah. Rosie. Well, Jim was like, oh, with her chuckling. Uh, I was thinking of something else. And I can hear Pat back there going, yeah, <laughs> we oh. see her drive. <clears throat> What are you going to say, Jim? Well, it's just uh, like we're driving down the road and, I know it's and she'll like put makeup on or do something. She'll say, drive careful. Yeah. Like I wasn't already. Yeah, and he's like, okay, I'll be more careful. Don't hit any bumps. Yeah, yeah, now I'll be careful. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, verse 15 is one that you know, if not, if it's not, you know, maybe the key verse in the whole book of Job, it's one of the key verses. Uh, Angie, I'll let you read at 15, 3, 13, 15. Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him, that I will maintain my own ways before him. So he, he uses this word trust, and uh, you know, we know it carries with it. You know, a certain amount of belief or faith. We have trust in something. You know, in God we trust. And but Job kind of carries it to the nth degree. Like, you know, I know I'm suffering greatly, but even even if God killed me, I'm still going to trust in Him. So that's that's a great thing. But but he kind of follows it up with this thing that takes away from it a little bit uh, he says but I will maintain mine own ways before him so uh, I think subconsciously we kind of do this too you know uh, I love God I'm going to go to heaven someday but right now I'm going to you know keep doing what I'm doing so I, I feel like he's saying that a little bit. So in in one way, he's really consecrated to God. You know, I'm I'm this great man that have lost everything, and I've got this disease, and worms are on my body, and I'm suffering greatly. So I, I do trust God, but I'm just going to keep maintaining my own way. So it's a little bit uh, in the short term. Uh, one of the things. And I know several of you have been on mission trips, and uh, Caleb highlighted this on Friday night in our small men's group. He was, he just kind of commented how rich we are, and uh, just the poverty that he witnessed in in Mexico. And uh, you know, I, I witnessed that too. And so, a, a couple of years ago, when Pradeep Lima was here, he preached to our church about suffering. And and I was just fresh back, kind of from his mission trip, you know. And there, there are people walk everywhere, and you know, a few of the richer ones have a motorcycle. Some, some of them have bicycles, but anyway, just a lot of things we take for granted. Uh, and so I really felt like Pradeep's message, we, we couldn't understand suffering from his perspective, where, uh, you know, one of his 
uh, students in his Bible college had been a policeman and when he converted to Christianity you know they were putting out hits on his life and he would have to take different paths to town people were hunting for his life and I mean he was just we can't we can't picture you know tomorrow if I go to work is somebody going to kill me you know we can't we don't really think like that and their lives were in jeopardy for being Christians and you know some of them were camping out in the woods and it's just uh, we so anyway uh, just uh, hopefully at, at 10 o'clock I want to be done with this chapter and I want to talk about uh, different reasons for suffering so today was I want to kind of highlight uh, suffering and uh, a lot of it goes with our Lord's suffering we, we can't relate to what he went through for us so Verses uh, 16 and 17. Back to Cassie, if if you don't mind. 16 and 17. Yeah. He also shall be my salvation, for a hypocrite shall not be for him. Hear diligently my speech and my declaration with your ears. So I had you put a hypocrite in your next blank, because Job confesses his faith in, in God and he's confident that he is not a hypocrite. That's what he's saying there. <clears throat> and we all... Fall down. Get back up. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, we all don't like hypocrisy. And uh, I've got some verses there that show that uh, hypocrites are, are lost. It, it kind of says that here that a hypocrite will not stand will not come before him and uh, hypocrisy is the opposite of sincerity and wisdom that is above is without hypocrisy James says and so there's the Bible speaks a lot about uh, hypocrisy especially with uh, the Pharisees and leaders in Jesus time um but he does say in verse 18 and 19, uh, Emma, uh, if you'll read those for us. Behold now, I have ordered my cause. I know that I shall be justified. Who is he that will flee with me? For now, if I hold my hand, I shall give up the ghost. And so at the end of verse... 18 there he says I know that I shall be justified I think that is a key when when we are suffering it's good to know that we're saved isn't it so no matter what you're going through if you're saved you know you can still pull the covers up around your neck at night and you know if I die before I wake up I'm going to be in heaven so Job is saying that I'm not a hypocrite I am justified and so he has confidence in that in fact he, he says that he knows he will be justified and uh, my teaching point at the top of your the back side of your paper uh, just that hypocrites cannot discern the signs of the time that's, that's what Jesus told you you're hypocrites you can discern the weather and the sky what the weather's going to be but you can't discern the times the signs of the times and then this last section, uh, 20 through 28. Uh, who, Pam, would you read uh, 20 through 22? 
Only do not do things unto me, then will I not hide myself from thee. Withdraw thine hand far from me, and let not the dread make me afraid. Then call, then call thou, and I will answer, or let me speak, and answer thou me. So he requests these two things from God. He says, withdraw thine hand from me. In other words, he's wanting the suffering to stop. So he knows God's hand's still on him and causing him to suffer. So he wants to quit suffering. And then he says, let not thy dread make me afraid. He, he wants to be able to talk with God so he can understand why he's suffering. So God help me stop suffering and tell me why I am suffering. It's kind of his petitions to the Lord. And then he asks uh, these questions in 23 through 25. Uh, Pat, can you read 23 through 25? How many are my iniquities and sins? Make me to know my transgression and my sin. Wherefore hidest thou thy face and holdest me for thine enemy? Wilt thou break a leaf driven to and fro? And wilt thou pursue the dry stubble? Uh, yeah, that that was it through twenty-five. So he asked these four questions. You know, how many are mine iniquities and sins? Uh, it's, it's like God is counting them, and He says, you know, will or why do you hide your face and consider me your enemy? So He feels like God is, He's God's enemy, and he, He's like, you know. Will wilt thou break a leaf driven to and fro? So it's like God's really powerful and he could just step on a, a leaf that's blown around. And wilt thou pursue the dry stubble? Like he feels like he's chaff, you know, and he's being driven around. So he asks these questions. So he's trying to initiate conversation uh, with the Lord and and then in verse twenty six, uh, Jimbo Six. <clears throat> For thou writest bitter things against me, and makest me to possess the iniquities of my youth. Yeah, so he he's even contemplating back on his youth. And we, we've all done foolish things when we were younger and uh, probably things we regret and now <laughs> no you've, you've never done anything foolish <laughs> so yeah don't you look back and think wow thank you Lord for not striking me dead when I did that <laughs> and uh, so uh, you know, he, he's talking about these iniquities from his youth and thinking well maybe, maybe God's punishing me because of those and then he says in verse uh, 27, Sherry. Okay. Thou puttest my feet also in the stocks, and lookest narrowly unto all my paths. Thou settest a print upon the heels of my feet. Yeah. And I, do they still do this to take, take a, a baby's footprint? Yeah. I think I think, so, yeah. I think we have that on our kids' birth records. And so it's like our fingerprints, they're, they're unique, uh, even all your days. And so there's something unique about that. And so it's neat that Job brings out something that 
I mean, that, that's quite a thing for him to think about. Maybe he's sitting there cross-legged and looking at his foot and looking at everybody else's foot, and they're different. And That's what's cool. That's one of the scientific facts that is in Job. There's a lot of them. They didn't know that back then. That's yeah. unique. Yeah. I mean, that, is just, <laughs> yeah. that took a lot of thought. I mean, yeah. I, I wouldn't think to look at... My heel, if I'm not sure I could. <laughs> you just start laughing on that one. <laughs> I can relate. When you think about it, it's really cool because I hadn't thought about that, you know. But there's a print on our heel. We know, we all know, we have fingerprints. Yeah, yeah. We get fingerprint, and we know that all of our fingerprints are unique. They're yeah, just yeah. like a snowflake. Yeah. And so we also we have them on our fingers, but we also have them on our heels. Huh. And that is that's just wild. It is wild. I mean, how can you how can you um, deny that we're created? Yeah. And yeah. And God's got a design for each and every one of us. Yeah, and, and feet in the Bible always signifies our walk. Yeah. So our mm. walks are all different. Mm. Right. And the hospitals still take babies. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah. That's what we were saying there. It's hard to imagine that, that He designed us that. Each person is individual, unique. Hmm. That's awesome. Well, and DNA, everybody has their own DNA, too. I mean, yeah, that's so unique. Well, the thing I was reading, and I gave you a few verses there, but just about the heel in Scripture, the prophecy of Genesis 3.15, that the seed of the woman uh, would bruise the head of the serpent... And the serpent would bruise his heel. But but look at the John 13, because this, this was a twist to me. I never really understood this verse until I read this commentary this week. Look at John 13, 18. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. And just just the detail in the Bible's pretty amazing. So 13:18 of John says I speak not of you all I know whom I have chosen but that the scripture may be fulfilled he that eateth bread with me hath lifted up his heel against me and so he's talking about Judas lifting up his heel against the Lord so instead of the Lord bruising the head of the serpent it's like the serpent is trying to reverse and crush the Lord's head with his heel I just thought that was I hadn't thought of it like that it's like and and you know the Bible so the Bible talks a lot about feet and uh, the heaven in his throne and the earth is his footstool uh, talk about the Lord having feet and the earth being the footstool and you know, I just just to think about that that God must be a big God if the earth is his footstool uh, I mean just things like that and uh, anyway uh, it's, it's good to contemplate uh, so I gave you some references for heal in scripture and then back to Job uh, 13 and then we'll finish our time with just some reasoning for suffering. So Job 13:28, uh, Angie, would you read? And he as a rotten thing consumeth as a garment that is moth-eaten. 
And so there's a, there's a lot in the Bible about uh, moth. But Job is feeling like he is being consumed by God. And the Bible says he is a consuming fire. And so Job feels like he is being consumed. So, so Job's suffering has forced him to wonderful thoughts, conclusions, and questions. Is kind of my summary of, of that portion. Is there any other thoughts before? I want to talk about these reasons for suffering. These are just kind of, I think I've taught them in here before, but it's, it's good to reflect and uh, think about this. Because if, if you're not going through suffering right now, you, you probably will be or you know someone who is. And so this, to me, I mean, the... the uh, it's it's a little hard to be black and white, but I think we can kind of make a checklist sometimes. And so uh, I'm going to write these on the board. Just uh, the reason he allows suffering. <clears throat> if people are lost, so. Uh, these are reasons for suffering and if you came to Christ as an adult you 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 may have went through some suffering before you got saved I, I did I, I know it took uh, me coming to the end of myself and uh, you know, going broke farming led us to the city, and you know uh, we were going broke again in '92, and that's when you know the marriage wasn't so good, and just things were everything we were trying to do was failing, and it really forced me to look up, and I, I look back and I wonder, you know, if what if I would have said no to God then, you know, would I have had another chance? I've, I feel like God orchestrates those things in our lives. To bring us to Christ, and uh, let me read you just a few things that let me find it here. We we know that Second uh, Peter three nine says that the Lord is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Or and so, if God is not willing that any should perish, uh, he, he sends His Holy Spirit to reprove the world of sin. That's what John 16, 8 says, that he, he, when He, the Holy Ghost, is come, He will reprove the world of sin. And that we use that uh, word reprove like to convict. And so, uh, so He convicts, He allows this suffering in order that the lost be saved. And uh, we, we could probably testify of that. And, and you know, sometimes that's why salvation, we had uh, literally, literally hundreds of people except Christ in the jail. I mean, 
the situations and the circumstances of their lives brought them to a place of bondage and captivity and it forced them to, to look up and you know I suppose we'll know one day how sincere uh, those folks were but literally uh, over 500 that I've counted have come to Christ that I know of in our uh, six years in the jails and prisons and uh, so God allows uh, affliction and sufferings and trials to enter the life of the unbeliever to allow uh, us or them to see their need for a savior just as a swimmer will not reach out for a life preserver until he or she knows that they are drowning so mankind doesn't reach out for the savior until they realize that they are lost and cannot make it on their own and that uh, life without Christ is futile and so I know a preacher he you know in uh, Romans 7 uh, Paul says that his sin became exceeding sinful and uh, so I know a pastor that he says I don't take uh, people down the Romans road until I help them see that they're on the exceeding sinful highway already so he, he tries to help them see that they're lost before he shows them the path to the Lord <clears throat> uh, it's Romans 7 where Paul says he's exceeding uh, sin became exceeding sinful <clears throat> that's a good question Yeah. Yeah. And now he's confessed that he's become Catholic. That was Romans 7:13. He admitted he was wrong. I need to get right with God. I said I don't want to do it right now. Yeah, that's procrastination, isn't it? So, uh, so like that with a religious person, because I've asked Pastor Brian even about a lady we were babysitting for and uh, she's she's a doctor and a prominent person and she's Catholic and and he said well with religious people oftentimes God has to bring some uh, you know like a medical emergency or a physical issue to help them see their need for Christ and that's what it was like with the woman with the issue of blood for 12 years you know it took her those 12 years of suffering this issue of blood that wouldn't stop and she spent all her living but then she touched the hem of the Lord's garment but that infirmity caused her to come to Christ right that that physical infirmity and so it is uh, with us Uh, there's two blind men that called from a distance and Christ heard them and came and healed them the centurion beseeches the Lord that he would heal his daughter and as Christ starts to go with him the centurion desires him just to speak the word with faith that Christ's word alone is able to give life to his daughter and it did we have the Old Testament story of, of Naaman. Uh, he had the leprosy. And it illustrates this principle too that his leprosy is what brought him to God's people and ultimately uh, this uh, disease of leprosy helped him to obey God. So anyway, uh, the Bible says, By sorrow of heart the spirit is broken and the Lord is nigh all them that are of broken heart. 
And so, you know, we've had people get saved at funerals, haven't we? That their loved one has passed, and boy, you, you contemplate death. And, you know, is Christ the resurrection and the life? Is he or isn't he? And if he is, then I, I need that. And so people come to the Lord when they have sorrow of heart. It says, uh, and saveth them, or saveth such as be of a contrite spirit, if they're just crushed. And so people don't generally go to a doctor unless they're sick so most people don't turn to Christ until uh, they see their need for a savior so that was the that was the first one and the second one I put in here just uh, he allows suffering uh, to help us grow and because he wants us to be strong I was thinking of this. This this probably sounds silly to you. I was in the Home Depot the other day, and uh, it dawned on me. Uh, I I joined our maintenance team in '92, so th- 30 years ago. So 30 years I've been in maintenance, and 20 of those years I've been doing refrigeration work. And normally, I feel very intimidated going into a Home Depot or Lowe's or uh, and that sound they sound funny to you but as I was walking through there I'm, I'm like you know what I'm a maintenance guy I know how to fix things yeah. <laughs> show me them bowls I'll find which one I need I mean usually it's just overwhelming but I'm like okay I'm a maintenance guy I can do this and I don't know it just gave me some confidence and and but it, it, it's a little bit of growth isn't it because yeah it if you don't know the terminology and you don't know what all these tools are and it's just overwhelming and but anyway it did dawn on me it took me 30 years but I'm thinking I'm this is this is my domain I know what's going on here now you know why I don't like it. and uh, <laughs> yep that's a good tool that's not a good I mean I I know and uh anyway um but it, it it's a period of growth and and a lot of you, and a lot of us can be like that with with math or with spelling. You know, we've been through first and second, and third grade, and and so those things. So, but usually you have to, you know, there's some testing along the way, isn't there? There's checks and balances. Even in our home, it's like, you know, until you know how to take out the garbage, you're not going to mow the yard, or until you mow the yard, you're not going to drive the car. I mean, there. There's a there's a certain amount of responsibility. You know, if you can't make your bed, then no, you're not going to get to do this, that, or the other. <clears throat> and so, uh, so there, so that sounds that sounds uh, fundamental, but it's true spiritually in some ways that all of us are to be conformed to the image of Christ. And when we get first saved, we're not in the image of Christ. We we have His image in us, but we don't act like Him. And uh, I know a guy, it was one of the most sincere salvations. Uh, it was back when the movie uh, Left Behind was popular and the book series. And we had a Bible study. And the the guy that was teaching mentioned something about being left behind, and he talked about the rapture and 
and uh, he was a. I got to help coordinate a corporate Bible study for a few years, and it was uh, Pastor Steve Miller, and and he he left that day, and and uh, later that afternoon, uh, one of the guys in the Bible study. Uh, came to me. He's almost weeping. He's, he's like, Steve, I don't want to be left behind. And so I got to lead him to the Lord in a conference room. We, his name was Mike. And and so it seemed very sincere and genuine. But for the longest time, I couldn't really tell if he was saved. But he didn't really talk a lot about the Lord. But it took a year or two before he's like, you know, I read this in the Bible and we could start communicating more on a brother level. But you know, when you when you first get saved, you're just a babe, and you don't know this, that, or the other. And, and I didn't either. And so, so we we grow, and we need the sincere milk of the word that we can grow. And and um, that's what James says that we are to grow up into Him in all things. And uh, you know, Pastor Brian just mentioned Exodus one twelve where. Uh, the more the Egyptians uh, afflicted the Israelites, it says the more they grew. Remember that? And uh, I mean, if it's true of the Olympian athlete, the better he trains and the the faster he gets, or the stronger he or she gets, you know, it took some affliction and re- resistance to gain that and. Isaiah 48 calls Egypt the furnace of affliction. And so they were in affliction, but it caused them to grow. And uh, Romans 5 talks about that, that that Remember, it says, and not only so, but we glory in tribulation also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed. So, tribulation works patience. So, we, we grow in patience through tribulation. And uh, as we become more patient, we gain some experience. And as we gain experience, it gives us hope. And so, it, it's a growing process. And. And that's what uh, Paul says, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I may obtain, or I may attain unto the resurrection of the dead. So it's, Paul uh, is becoming like Christ through his sufferings. That's what he's saying. And so we can too, uh, Belinda. That is Philippians three ten and eleven. I forget who it was, but one I had a pastor sign that in my Bible that that I may know him and the fellowship of his sufferings and being made conformable unto his death. And then uh, this next one that I put here. And let's all turn to this one. Turn to 2 Corinthians 1. And uh, Cassie, I'm back to you if you don't mind reading 2 Corinthians uh, 1 verses 1 through 6. 
six verses. Second Corinthians one, one through six. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, and to the church of God, which is at Corinth, with all the saints which are in all grace be to you, and peace from God our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulations, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherein we ourselves are comforted of God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also aboundeth by Christ. And whether we be afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effectual in the enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer, or whether we be comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. Thank you. So at the beginning of verse 6, he says, whether we be afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation. So, so sometimes we suffer so that we can uh, minister. So this was your last blank on your handout, just the word minister. And uh, I don't know if you can relate to that. I, I knew a, a guy, I was a new Christian, and I found out this guy was a Christian. And it wasn't too much longer. Uh, him and his wife lost their child to like crib death. And uh, I thought, wow, that's that's pretty heavy. You know, why did God allow this Christian? He's a youth minister, and he's working a full-time job, and and their child died. It's just horrible. And you know, it was within a year. One of his friends that I, I didn't know those person they lost their child to crib death, and and so my friend that I knew. He actually performed the funeral of his lost friend that lost their child a year later, but he could relate to that. You know what I mean? And uh, sometimes it's very helpful if you've gone through something that you can minister to other people when they're going through the same thing, right? And uh, uh, the. And, and I know that to be true, uh, even in addiction. Some somebody who's had a drinking problem and come through that, they're, they're going to be better able to help someone with a drinking problem than I am, because that wasn't something that I've struggled with. So, so we know those things kind of intuitively. But I, I really like verse 4 there that Cassie read, that God comforts us in our tribulation that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the same comfort we ourselves are comforted of God. And so if, if God comforts you through your tribulation, it's going to equip you. And, and I really believe, I really believe that this is Job. And, and and you can you can probably apply these others, uh, maybe not lost, but I mean probably Job is growing through this. But I think this is the primary reason that Job suffered. Uh, it, it was really through no fault of his own. It was a spiritual. Uh, 
it was a spiritual attack. Yeah, what were you saying? Warfare. Yeah, it was it was spiritual warfare that was going on. That uh, anyway. Uh, We can learn this a little bit from nature. Uh, Angie's mom taught me this. Have 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 all you guys ever planted a tree? You have. Okay, but I've only planted like one tree, and I just didn't think it was doing very good. It was just. I mean, we only lived there three years at that house. But she said, you know, Steve, maybe if you prune it back a little. And to me, that didn't make sense. But I did. I, I got my little snippers and I, I trimmed it a little bit. And like the next year, it like doubled the growth. And I thought, wow. And so that's, that's my experience of with trees. Uh, Belinda, what were you thinking? When we were kids, like kind of, uh, a strong windstorm was blowing through. And we took some super large towels. It was a willow tree, and we tied it around it to keep it from oh yeah breaking. Interesting. And ten years later, that was the only tree on that street. Oh really? <laughs> <laughs> it made it strong to. Eat. It was yeah. a willow tree. Huh? Yeah. Interesting. You know, I have to share. I love you know uh, trees and out being outside. What I've heard is that the bottom of the tree gets these little sucker starts. You know that start at the bottom uh-huh. of the tree. And those take strength and nutrients from the tree. So when you trim those, then you know it. It just helps it grow. Really? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And I thought you know that is really interesting. Yeah. But if, so if we connect that to ourselves, sometimes God has to prune us a little bit, doesn't He? And maybe we don't need all that money, or maybe we don't need whatever. And God takes something out of our lives, and, and maybe it hurts at first, but it, it it forces growth or causes or causes us to take deeper root, and so. Anyway, uh, we know James says, My brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into divers temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. And that uh, Job uh, got his patience. So, so let me do this last one, and we'll be, we'll be finished here. Uh, turn to Hebrews 12. You know, God wants us to be pure. He says to be holy because He is holy. And that's what Hebrews 12 is about. I think it's, I say Hebrews 12, it's Hebrews 5. No, Hebrews 12, 5 through 11. And uh, let let me read that because we're out of time here. But let me read these. But this is, if we have sin in our life, then God will chastise us. He will discipline us. And the purpose of His chastise is is not to be a mean God, but it's to correct us and to make us pure. So Hebrews 12.5 says, 
And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, neither faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh, uh, so think of our own earthly fathers now, which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather in, uh, be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? I'm at God, the Father. Verse 10, For they verily, our, our earthly fathers, for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but he, God, for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. And uh, my teaching point here is the devil wants to use suffering to destroy us, but God wants to use suffering to benefit us. And uh, with that, let's pray and uh, we'll be dismissed. Father in heaven, I do thank you for this group of people. Thank you for bringing Cassie our way today and pray your blessing on her life as she goes about her life in Springfield. And Father, just thank you for each soul present. Thank you for just the measure of suffering in each of our lives, whether it be to to grow us or the chastening it took uh, the suffering it took for, for me to be saved and just the, the growth and uh, Lord you want to use us to minister to others and so help us to perceive and understand uh, when suffering comes our way Lord just the reason for it help us to yield ourselves to you and uh, <clears throat> pray for just this Christmas season this next week here as we lead up to the time that we uh uh, as a nation, as a world, observe the uh, advent of Jesus Christ into uh, from, from heaven to earth through the Virgin Mary. Lord, may we uh, uh, reverence that. May we uh, consider just that lowly birth and His humble life and His uh, sacrificial death, burial, and resurrection on the cross and how He did suffer uh, more than any man. Just that three hours on the cross. We, we can't fathom it, Lord, and yet we believe it by faith and uh, so uh, bless us as we consider these things and add it to our wisdom help us to live for you and uh, and uh, pray all this in Jesus name amen all right well we are dismissed almost on time <clears throat>